0: Welcome to this beautiful, chilly, uh, but not snowy Sunday morning, sun shining bright. Let's uh, prepare our hearts and minds for worship and joining prayer. Almighty God, you pour out the spirit of grace and supplication on all who desire it. Deliver us from cold hearts and wandering thoughts, that with steady minds and burning zeal we may worship you in spirit and in truth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our help is in the name of the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and the Lord Jesus Christ. God calls us by name. And we answer. Here I am. God calls us by name. Speaker, Let us worship the God who claims us and calls us us forth as children and blessing. Come, let us worship the Lord. As we come to the reading of God's Word, let us pray. Lift up your hearts, let us lift them to the Lord our God. Almighty God, whose Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, is the light of the world, grant that your people, illumined by your Word and Spirit, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory, that he may be known, worshiped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God now and forever. Our first lesson this morning comes to us from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3, and is the story of the call of the prophet Samuel as a boy. Hear now the word of God. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am. And ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again. Samuel? Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Again. Now Samuel did not know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again, a third time. And he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, You shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew. Because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay there until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he said, here I am. Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Then he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our gospel lesson comes to us today according to, from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and is the text that recounts to us Jesus' call of his disciples Philip and Nathaniel. Hear now the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses and the law and all the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said to him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? <laughs> You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This past semester I was privileged to go with students from Trinity House, uh, Rutgers Protestant campus ministry, to the uh, museum in Philadelphia to see the display of the Faces of Jesus by Rembrandt. There was one major observation we all made. In the early years of his work as an artist, as a painter, he portrayed Jesus as was traditional. Long hair, kind of rugged looking, bearded, um, very European looking in his stature as well as in his face structure. And then something happened midway in his career. He lived in and near one of the ghettos in Amsterdam and basically became a friend with one of the Jewish men in the community, a young man. There is evidence of many penciled studies of this man's face and figure. And then all of a sudden, we see Jesus being portrayed in Rembrandt's paintings in a completely different way. The faces of Jesus begin to look like the face of the Jewish man that he had befriended. Unbeknownst to many, that Practice became not only an artistic expression of Rembrandt's genius, but it became a very, very significant theological statement that even today takes us to a place of breathlessness. Because you see, when Jesus is idealized into this figure, how many of you have that painting in your homes, like my grandmother did? of Jesus knocking on the door, or Jesus praying in Gethsemane, or the face of Jesus that looks like something straight out of of, uh, Midwestern Iowa, okay, with long hair, kind of like Mike Mishkovsky. Remember, Mikey? Yeah. It was that kind of Jesus. Rembrandt portrays Jesus in his paintings as a real Jew. real Jew. What a tremendous move on his part. Because for the first time in the artistic world, a theological statement has been made that would rattle the cages of many theologians for decades, if not centuries to come. How dare him portray Jesus as a man, an ordinary Jewish man, at that. Epiphany is all about recognizing and understanding Jesus as just that, a true man. A man who enlightens the world with who he is and what he says and what he does. In our text this morning, the Old Testament reading tells the story of Samuel. And the call of Samuel reminds us that that children as well as adults can be God's messengers to the world. God is moving, you know, through boys and girls listening to children's sermons or having their diapers changed in the church nursery. Why, in Jersey City, there's an entire church of just children, did you know that? Everything is done by children under the age of 16. The whole church is run by kids. Samuel is both an unlikely and likely candidate for divine inspiration. He is a child and hardly expected to hear the voice of God, and yet he does. And yet from the beginning of his life, he was a child of promise. His mother dedicated him to God, and her fidelity to her promise may have opened unexpected pathways of divine presence in his life. In the call and response of Samuel, the care that others have for us, their their vision of our possibilities creates a field of, of resonance that enables God to be more present in our lives in seeing and honoring God's presence in our children, and that means all of our children, at all stages of their lives, we actually can awaken spiritual life and growth and inspiration within them as well as ourselves. But the call of Samuel reminds us of something else. It reminds us that there is the requirement of community to be fully understood and understanding of God. It takes time for Samuel to discover that this nocturnal voice he hears in a dream, a whisper, or an inner inclination comes from God and not from Eli. You see, sometimes it does take a process of discernment to discover which of the voices in our lives is most, most authentic to our vocation as God's loving and beloved children. That's why Samuel sought Eli's guidance. All of us sometimes need mentors who call forth our ability to hear God's voice and movements in our lives. And that, of course, is part of the journey The journey of understanding God's call on our lives is always both an inward and an outward journey. The next time you're in a grocery store walking down the cereal aisle, take note of something, please, that if you glance up at the tiny $7 $7 bottle of maple syrup on the top shelf and on the bottom shelf see the uh, Hungry Jack at only $3, there's a reason why that price is different. In this economy, you may ask yourself, well, of course, it's more important and significant to take the cheaper bottle. But when it comes to syrup, there's a reason that the real stuff is pricey. Through a slow and painstaking process, the traditional Native American art of maple sugaring takes large quantities of an essentially useless substance and turns it into something worth sketching or, or, or worth stretching your grocery budget to buy. First, the workers ventures into the deep woods called the sugar bush and use hand drills to make small holes in the trunks of the maple trees. A metal tube called a spile is tapped into each hole and a bucket is hung on each spile. The sap then begins to drip into the buckets, is thin and clear, just like water, with only a hint of sweetness. And on a good day, 50 trees will yield 30 to 40 gallons of sap. As the buckets fill, they are emptied into large kettles that sit over an open fire. The sap comes to a slow boil, and as it boils, its water content is reduced and its sugars are concentrated. Hours later, it has developed a rich flavor and golden brown color. Then it must be strained several times to remove impurities before being reheated, bottled, and grated for its quality. The end product of those 30 or 40 gallons of sap is approximately, approximately one gallon of maple syrup. No wonder it's so expensive. The process is slow and tedious, but the best of the best is the product in the end. When we come to Christ like raw, unfinished sap, we could have been tossed aside as worthless, but God knew what he could make of us. When God sought us and found us, God's skillful hands transforming us into something precious, sweet, and useful. But it took time. It took lots of heat, lots of stirring, lots of straining, lots of purifying. The long and often painful refining process then brings forth a pure, genuine disciple. Easily distinguished from cheap imitations. As was Nathaniel. A young man. Probably a bit of a mystic. Sitting under the tree. Thinking about God. Thinking about the things of God. And when he is presented to this man from Nazareth. When this person from Nazareth who has no curriculum vitae to brag of, all of a sudden begins to speak to him about who he is and what he was and what he was doing. Brings forth the the very first public confession that this Jesus of Nazareth is in fact the Mashiach, the Anointed One the Son of God, the King of Israel. John's Gospel starts out with the phrase, come and see, and ends with Jesus telling Nathaniel, if you think that's something, just wait. Because before it's over, you are going to see angels Ascending and descending from heaven. You ain't seen nothing yet. Ladies and gentlemen. Brothers and sisters in Christ. It has been a long road for some of you. Some of you are over 30, 40, 50. Some of you are even over 60. Why? There's even one of us that's over 90. 90 been a long process. There's been a lot of learning, a lot of struggle. But I'm here to tell you this morning, you ain't seen nothing yet. You have no idea what God is going to do with you and with me and with us as a congregation. Our invitation is to come and see And there may be moments in your life when you've known that God was present and you may be willing to say, yes, Jesus Christ is in fact the Lord. But there is still so much more that God wishes to show us. Do not give up. Do not stop walking. Do not give up on the journey. No matter how difficult no matter how stressful, no matter how problem-filled our lives can be, there is so much more that you are promised to be able to see. My invitation to you is to stay on the journey. Come and see this Jesus, who, like you and me, is in fact the word of the living God. Let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you are not an old man in a rocker sitting in heaven. You are not a prejudiced old goot who only chooses people that does it your way. You have a history of picking people who fight back, who rebel, who are not very good at following. You are prone to call even children. And there's part of us that says, what kind of God does that? But today, in these moments, we are grateful for your call. We are grateful for your call to come and see. Grateful for your call to be who you have called us to be. And we ask for your grace and your mercy and your love. To be obedient, to be faithful, to be followers. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In the taking up of our morning offering, we take our tithes and gifts and offerings and give to the purpose of Jesus Christ in our midst, in our lives, and in our community, to the glory of his name. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. It is right to offer thanks and praise. God of all mercies, we give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all people give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise not only with our lips but in our lives by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. It is now our work of worship to pray, to share with each other concerns, and then to lift our words in prayer to the Lord as God's people. There are two pieces of information for prayer this morning that I want to share with you. Uh, One, um, Nathan's wife, uh, Kathy, uh, is in the hospital and is very seriously ill. Uh, We want to pray for her and pray for her successful Um, coming through of this medical uh, condition. And also, um, Ivan, uh, this past week, had surgery that was very successful as well. And we're glad that uh, God answered our prayers for him. Lord God, you are closer to us than our very breath. And you know each of us better than we know ourselves. And so there's a part of us that always asks why we go through this, why we open our minds and hearts and lips to share with you what you already know. And I think that the the joy or the blessing in doing it is for us. For us to recognize that in the voicing of our concerns and in the sharing of our hearts with you, We recognize that you understand what it means to be a human being. To feel and to struggle and to enjoy and to live in this world. For this grace and for this opportunity, we are grateful this morning. We come to you with joy over the opportunity to to serve you. Jesus said to us that giving a cup of water to the least of these is giving a cup of water to him. We shared our lives and our resources, our time and our spaces with 14 needy folks this past weekend. We were very mindful of the fact that you were with us and you were in our midst. And we are grateful for that blessing. Grateful for each moment given, each resource shared, each life made better in service to each other. We are grateful this morning, Lord, that you, in all of your wisdom and mercy and love, are able to help us and come to our aid in times of great need. We pray, Lord, for the King family, that you would console and strengthen them, we pray for Kathy and her family, for Nate, and we ask, Lord, that you would console and be with them as well. That in both of these cases, Lord, you would bring healing, comfort, strength, and trust of you as a God who knows what is best. And may your omniscience and your wisdom become a source of strength and encouragement in moments of great darkness or grief or fear. We are grateful, Lord, for the successful surgery this past week and we are grateful that uh, men and women are gifted in such ways as to be able to fix and to heal and to restore our bodies. We're grateful for the trust that we gave to you in praying for Ivan and for his surgery and for the successfulness uh, that he now shares and enjoys. As a congregation, we are grateful, O Lord, for your blessing upon us, for the resources you have given us for the lives that you have uh, put together to share and to work in your kingdom. And we ask your continued guidance and blessing upon us. There are many, many churches like us throughout the East, even within our own classes, uh, struggling to find their way in ministry and in in placing ourselves into the culture In which we live, we ask, Lord God, for continued guidance and wisdom. We thank you, O Lord, for the privilege, the great privilege it is to open our hearts and our minds and our lives to you and your grace. And we ask that you would continue to enable us to pray as Jesus boldly taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I want to invite everyone after the service this morning to the Bellhauer Parlor for refreshments. Um, There are some announcements. During the month of January, there will be a basket out on the table where the refreshments are, and we'll be taking up a special offering for the uh, young people to go to camp at Camp Warwick. Um, Those monies will be used to help pay their registration, and I think that the importance of that can be seen in our text this morning. It is at camp sometimes where God's Spirit really does speak to the hearts of young people. And calls them into lives of service and so this experience I think is a is a, not only a valid one but a valuable one uh, that we want to encourage in the life of our young people on the 27th and 28th of January um, the first welcome home house uh, will be um, basically uh, refurbished uh, the house is 180 Redmond Street here in New Brunswick Um, we are the sponsoring congregation for this house which simply means that we become a place of resource for them Um, the grant that has been given pays for their rent and their utilities and we are basically there to help them with they need in terms of furniture or assistance in the life of the house Um, the work project for the 27th and 28th is from 9 to 4 and they need anyone with any kind of skills electricians, carpenters, plumbers, plus lots of hands who know how to clean and paint and and uh, just general um, uh, maintenance of the house to get it ready. Uh, they'll be tearing up carpeting and putting down new carpeting uh, and basically throwing out upholstered furniture, uh, redoing other furniture that's in the house that remains with the house. Um, it's a great little house. It has room for five people to get five men off the streets those men have already basically been chosen Uh, will be interviewed this coming Sunday not today but next Sunday Um, and we also have five more for the second house uh, which is basically going to be uh, dedicated by the first of March so there'll be two houses in New Brunswick that will be communities of folks who used to live on the street and now have a home and uh, we're going to be part of that it's exciting The last week of January and the first week of February we'll be hosting the men's shelter and we're going to be doing it for two weeks in a row uh, as an experiment Um, that's coming up at the end of January beginning of February Uh, Judy shared with the congregation this morning about the fish shelter this past week Um, two of our interns social work interns helped us with that uh, because the students were still on the Christmas break We didn't have any students from Theta Chi, but they are already uh, committed to being here for the men's shelter. And uh, Kathy has already posted the sign-up for flowers for the new year on the bulletin board. Um, And we want to encourage any of you who would like to place flowers in the worship service uh, to sign up today during coffee hour. Immediately after the service, I would like to uh, meet with the consistory in my office for a brief meeting. Uh, Mark, I'm going to ask that you take the confirmation class uh, over to Trinity House. Uh, The film is on my desk and ready to go. Uh, I even got the furniture set up over there, so it's all set to walk in and just do it. Are there any announcements that I missed the bulletin or that need to be shared this morning as we gather? If not, let's stand to sing our closing hymn.